0: Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peak's downloadable messages. This week, we start a brand new four-part series entitled, The First Family's Christmas. Life lessons from the first Christmas. And today's message is from our worship arts pastor, Brent Martz, entitled, The Shepherds. From the ordinary to the extraordinary. It must have been like this that night. You know that night just outside of Bethlehem? to the shepherds they had just found this field with their sheep they had been searching for weeks for the perfect field during the winter and they had just found it that day the shepherds they were traveling people they traveled from place to place and where their sheep wanted to land is where they landed they lived in tents wandering people it was cold that night were trying to keep warm by the fire. The shepherds with the most rank were the ones closest to the fire. Some sheep tried to get their way in close and the shepherds had to push them back because they needed to keep warm. They had just finished building their sheepfold, you know, a crude wall made of rocks and stones to protect the sheep during the night from robbers, from wild animals. They had just finished counting that last sheep before they put a crude gate up against the opening to the sheepfold. They counted the sheep every night and every morning. Because they didn't want one sheep to get away. This is just an ordinary night for those shepherds. What they did every night. Only tonight was a little colder because it was the winter. You know, shepherds were the lowest of the low class. They couldn't testify in a court of law if they were called to witness, and they weren't known for their hygiene. So it was probably best that these shepherds were out in the fields at night. Just an ordinary night. But then suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were frightened. They had heard about angels. They had heard about it from their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers. The traditions and the stories carried down from from generation to generation. But angels hadn't been seen for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet tonight, outside of this little town of Bethlehem, to these shepherds, an angel appeared. And the angel said, "Do not be afraid." (laughs) Yeah, right. Could you imagine? not be afraid but the angel went on and he said I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of Bethlehem just over the hill there a savior has been born he is Christ the Lord this will be a sign to you you will find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger one shepherd nuggs the one next to him and said, Did he just say manger? That's where our sheep eat from. I think he said manger. And if that wasn't enough, suddenly the night sky filled with light, and the armies of heaven showed up, Glory and they God sang a song. Eyes, and sounded like this. On earth, good will all men. Glory to God in the- Hallelujah! 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 Oh, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward all men. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah! 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 Oh, glory to God. Will toward all men. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Just as quickly as they had appeared, they disappeared into the night sky, and the evening returned to the way it was before. But somehow. The world would never be the same again. The shepherds, they they sat there stunned in silence. What did we just see? One of the youngest shepherds, quite a ways away from the fire, yelled, I think we should go to Bethlehem. Of course that's what we should do. So the shepherds got up and the Bible says that they ran to Bethlehem they didn't make their way or schedule it on their calendar they ran to bethlehem all the way to bethlehem when they arrived in the city they had to look and search for this little baby and when we read this story we hear the story we think one family in one stable but remember there was no room for them in the inn which means there are probably many many families that couldn't find shelter that night So they had to search down this alley and over in this street and down this avenue and in this makeshift house and in this cave. And when they thought they had searched the entire town of Bethlehem, they rounded the last corner. And there in the distance was a crude little cave with a stable built out from it. And the shepherds approached and looked inside. And there was Mary and Joseph and the baby it was just as the angel said he was wrapped in claws lying in a manger in a manger the shepherds couldn't believe their eyes here, here is the savior, the messiah whom the angels had just told them about, lying in a manger and absurd as it may sound these shepherds They quietly walked up to that manger and they knelt on their knees and they worshipped this baby. No one really knew what to say. Mary and Joseph were just as astonished at these visitors so soon. Who were they? But Mary and Joseph both knew that they had been visited by an angel. So this really wasn't all that surprising. After a few minutes, a few hours, who knows, the shepherds got up and suddenly remembered that they had left their sheep in the field unattended. So they hurried back to their sheep. And on the way, they told everyone they came in contact with about this baby and about what the angels had said to them. And Mary, she kept all these thoughts treasured up in her heart. For God had done an amazing thing, and it was only the beginning. Those shepherds, they made quite a racket on their way back to the fields. I'm sure they got sighted many times. Because they were praising God and singing songs of praise for what they had been able to see that night. So here we are, 2,000 years later, hearing a story we've heard hundreds of times. Why does it matter to us? What's so important about those shepherds? God took the ordinary that night and made it the extraordinary. And you know what? He wants to do that for you and for me today. Would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? And let's look at that together. Luke chapter 2. I think this is the first passage of scripture I memorized as a little kid. So that helped for that. You know what? What happened to those shepherds was pretty dramatic. We can agree about that, correct? But you know what? Our lives might not be that dramatic. What happened to us may not seem that dramatic. We may not be visited by angels or by a heavenly visitor. But we may find the ordinary becoming the extraordinary in the simplest of ways. In a conversation that you come across in a specific event, through a specific event that happens in your life because of a major decision that you make as a result of a life-changing experience. You see, all of those things can seem ordinary, but if we stop and realize what God's doing, it can become the extraordinary. As Elaine and I were thinking about our lives and how we've seen God move from the ordinary to the extraordinary, a lot of things came to our minds. The most prominent one for us was Back in 1999, in the year 2000, when God called us here to Rocky Peak, that was just an amazing time in our lives, and uh, we can see how God moved us from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Um, I remember the day that Elaine and I carpooled into work up in Fremont in the Bay Area, and she dropped me off at the office and then went on to volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center just up the street, and was there all day and came back to pick me up, and as I was walking down the stairs from my office, she was coming up, and I noticed there was something different about her than when she had dropped me off that morning, and I said, What's what's going on? Are you all right? And she pulled out of her purse a little pregnancy test, and she said, "We're going to have a baby." That was not an ordinary carpool. Okay, it was pretty extraordinary that day. God took an ordinary event and made it made it extraordinary. Uh, we talked we we talked about when Elaine became a Christian when she was 19 years old, and a month later she showed up at Azusa Pacific University because she wanted to sing for God, and that's where God led her to that to that school. Little did she know that her life would be changed, but she would meet me. There you go. <laughs> Our lives changed. Both of us changed. Or that night when uh, we got a late-night phone call from our third child, Sophia, from her doctor, and uh, he said that some test results had come back and there were problems and we needed to get to the hospital as soon as possible. That ordinary phone call turned into an extraordinary test of faith. And for me, a few years ago, some of you will remember, I think, that incident on Santa Susana with that policeman. <laughs> That was an ordinary drive home that turned into an extraordinary lesson on the power of pride in our lives. (laughs) If you don't know this story, ask someone around you. I'm sure they do. (laughs) So what is your story? What is your story here as you sit here this morning? An ordinary event turned into an extraordinary experience. Can you trace that back in your life? Can you take some time and ponder and think about that A simple conversation that's turned into an extraordinary opportunity for you to share Christ with someone who you know. Our lives that are ordinary made extraordinary when God adds his extra to our ordinary. Well, it just doesn't happen for the shepherds. It just doesn't happen for us. It happened throughout the Bible. So we're going to kind of do a quick Bible survey this morning and look at two men predominantly and then look at several people as well really quickly the first man is, is Moses so if you turn back to Exodus 3 the second book of the Bible we're going to look at the story of Moses and I've spoken on Moses before and uh, because I can so identify with him who, who he was his shortcomings his, his shortcomings his strengths all those things and as you know he stuttered and I stuttered and God said it doesn't matter we're going to work through it and I'm going to be there for you and God was there for Moses so let's look at his story real quick uh, Moses came from an ordinary family in man's eyes. there was nothing extraordinary about Moses and just who he was. He was supposed to be killed along with all the other Hebrew baby boys, but he was saved from death by his family. They floated him down a river in a makeshift boat. He is found by Pharaoh's wife and is raised as a son in the palace of Pharaoh in Egypt. He was put in charge of many things, put over many people, but he commits murder. And so he flees the country and he finds himself in Midian, and he becomes a shepherd. Not familiar? He's tending his flocks one day, just an ordinary day. He's walking along, and over here he sees a bush that's on fire, but it isn't burning. This is not ordinary. So he gets closer, and he hears from God. Let's pick up the story at Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Right before this, God had told Moses that he was supposed to go back and to free his people who were enslaved in Egypt. Moses says, Who am I? In other words, I'm just an ordinary guy. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. If there was any doubt in Moses at all, it was suddenly gone. God had spoken to Moses, and he had an extraordinary encounter with God there in the desert. And Moses went from that place, in spite of his shortcomings, in spite of his ordinariness. Is that a word? And he fulfilled his destiny. And he led those Israelites to the promised land that God had intended for them, from the ordinary to the extraordinary. What were the lessons that Moses learned? that God used Moses' greatest weakness to change the course of a nation. God used his greatest weakness, the fact that he couldn't speak, to change the course of a nation. Because, you see, his resume wasn't as important as his response to what God wanted to do in his life. His resume wasn't very flashy. Committed murder, fled the country, became a shepherd. But his response to what God was calling him to be about was what made the difference. God added his extra to Moses' ordinary. Well, let's fast forward a lot of years to the New Testament and turn to Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we read a very familiar story about the apostle Paul. The beginning of the chapter, he's known as Saul, and then he becomes Paul later on. Paul's story is a little bit different. Because, you see, Paul was seen as extraordinary in the eyes of men. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was highly educated. He was very respected. He obeyed every detail of the law. If the law said, do not walk more than 10 feet from your house on the Sabbath, he did not walk more than 10 feet from his house on the Sabbath. He obeyed every detail of every law. One day, he decided to take an ordinary journey to the town of Damascus, just not very far away from Jerusalem. An ordinary journey. So he sets his way out, and he's intending to persecute, even execute, some Christians along the way when he gets to Damascus. On the way, though, on that ordinary journey, he's blinded by a light, a heavenly light. And his life changes forever as he hears from God. Let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. And he heard a voice say to him, Paul, or Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Paul heard from God. And if you know the story, Paul got up, blind, led into the city, to a house, Ananias the prophet has already been told to go to that house and he heals Saul's eyes. Saul becomes Paul and becomes one of the most amazing prophets that's ever walked this earth. He's known as the greatest apostle impacting hundreds and thousands of people. What is Paul's lesson? That God used Paul's greatest strengths and refocused them for his purposes. See, Paul had amazing strengths as a leader, but God refocused those strengths from things that were serving the world to things that served the Lord. His position, Paul's position, wasn't as important as his potential. See, God knew that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, but that position didn't matter because Paul had potential, great potential, to use all those gifts to serve the Lord. God added his extra Paul's ordinary and made him extraordinary. Well, as we look through the rest of the Bible, there's many, many stories, and I just picked a few to highlight this morning. Back in the Old Testament, we uh, read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I had to spell check to get their names correctly. Three boys, young men, who were unwilling to compromise their convictions, even in the face of a fiery furnace. Amazing. Gideon, an ordinary man, though slow to be convinced, acted on his convictions and defeated an entire army. An entire army. One man acted on his convictions and went from ordinary to extraordinary. Noah, a simple ordinary man who obeyed the call of God despite persecution and saved the lives of his family. Build a boat in the middle of nowhere? Okay, God, I'll do it. Ruth and Naomi, a mother in law and a daughter in law who prove that God's living presence in a relationship overcomes differences that might otherwise create division and disharmony. Esther, a simple, ordinary woman made queen of a nation and risks her own life to save that of her people. From the ordinary to the extraordinary. Mary, from our story tonight, an ordinary teenage girl discovers she's pregnant but endures the potential of ridicule for the eternal purpose that grows within her. Joseph, a common carpenter, engaged to Mary, finds out that she's pregnant with somebody else's baby, hears from God, responds with obedience. And let's not forget those disciples. (laughs) Those 12 ordinary, mostly uneducated men that followed the call of Jesus and they left what they knew for something they could not see. Hmm. From the ordinary to the extraordinary. All right. You say those are great stories and you know the Bible's only so long they can only pick the good ones. So uh, you, you just brought them all out to us tonight. But what, what about my life? How does this impact me today? If I'm going to look for the ordinary to the extraordinary in my life, here in Chatsworth, in Simi, what am I going to look for? What can I expect? Well, let's talk about four things real quick here today. What can you expect? Well, from all of those stories, we learn that something got their attention. They were living their ordinary lives And all of a sudden, something got their attention. For the shepherds, obviously, it was that blinding light. It was the angels. I mean, there they were in the night sky, the armies of heaven praising God. If that didn't get your attention, check your pulse. I mean, come on. I mean, here you are in the dark, and all of a sudden, it's like day, and the angels are praising God. That got their attention. For Moses, it was that bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning. For Paul, it was that blinding heavenly light and the voice from heaven saying, Paul, stop persecuting me and serve me with your whole life. You see, they were simply going about their ordinary, normal lives. There was nothing out of the ordinary for them. For Elaine and I, when we were called to Rocky Peak back in 1999 and the year 2000, we were just going about our normal lives up in Fremont enjoying the relationships we had with the people there. Uh, It was a wonderful ministry that God had for us up there in Fremont. And we had come down here for L.A. for uh, a session that we did every year. And we were having uh, ordinary lunch at Denny's. You know, ordinary Denny's. And in that conversation that day, God did an extraordinary thing. Because in that lunch, we met with some people from Rocky Peak. And they shared the need that Rocky Peak had for a shepherd. Someone to come along and, and, and shepherd their worship arts family. And to lead the church in worship. And suddenly, in that moment, we realized that God was changing our lives. Right there, that day. Something will get your attention. It'll happen. But not only will something get your attention, but there will be a call to action, number two. There will be a call to action. Something had to be done that will will require you, required them to act. For the shepherds, the angel said, Go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has told you about. They went. There was a call to action. For Moses, it was, Moses, go free my people from Egypt. Go and do not delay. For Paul, it was, go into Damascus. Someone will come. He will heal you, and then you will serve me for the rest of your life. Those were the calls to action for those people. For Elaine and for me, when we were called to Rocky Peak, the call to action was, go home to Fremont and prepare to leave. It was so difficult for us. We didn't have to leave, we weren't being booted out. We wanted to stay, but God had called us to an action, and that action was to prepare, to leave, to come to Rocky Peak. So something will get their attention. There was a call to action, and then the third one, the call was obeyed. Remember the shepherds? What did they do? They ran, right? They ran to Bethlehem, all the way. They ran to Bethlehem because they were going to do what God had told them to do. For Moses... Despite his complaining and his worry, God said, I'm going to send Aaron, your brother, with you so that he can speak for you. So don't use that excuse anymore. I've already solved it. Aaron's going with you. There was a call, there was obedience, and Moses went. There was obedience. And he walked boldly into the court of Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And as you know, God responded over time. For Paul... He went to that home, met with Ananias, was healed. His life changed 360 degrees and he was serving the Lord for the rest of his life. The call was obeyed. For Elaine and I, we had to sit down and have that final conversation with my pastor and his wife in Fremont. We had been dialoguing about it for many months. They were praying that, that we would finally hear from the Lord and stay and others were praying that we'd finally hear from the Lord and leave. So <laughs> it was one of those awkward moments, but we felt... That God was calling us and we had to obey. So we sat there in our living room that night and we told them that we had made the decision to leave to go to Rocky Peak. It was the hardest thing we've ever done. But when God calls you to obey, you must obey. You must obey. Because you see, the test of our faith is our obedience. We can say we'll obey. We can sing all the songs, read all the words. But when push comes to shove, are we really going to respond with obedience? The test of their faith was their obedience. Something got their attention. There was a call to action. The call was obeyed. And what happened as a result? Lives were changed. Lives were changed forever. Do you think those shepherds were ever the same again? No way. Do you think those people that they came in contact with or Mary or Joseph, do you think their lives were ever the same again? There's no way. Moses, his life was never the same. He spent the rest of his life leading those people through the desert. And before he could get to the promised land, he could only look into it, but he never went into it. But the course of a nation was changed because one man heard the call and obeyed. For Paul, his effects are still being seen today through the Bible Hundreds of thousands, today millions of people's lives have been changed because of the writings of Paul. One ordinary man who became extraordinary in the use of God. There are three ways that I've written down that lives can be changed tonight and there's some blanks that are on your, on your, on your sheet. If you look at the shepherd's story specifically, there are three responses that they encountered. One they went back to the fields and told everyone they came in contact with about what they had seen. And it says that the people were filled with wonder. They were filled with amazement. And you know, as you have a chance to tell people what God's doing in your life, they'll, they'll be filled with wonder as well. But you know what? Wonder is not the same as faith. Many people will hear and be amazed, but they won't have faith. Many people were amazed yesterday when UCLA actually scored. <laughs> Many people will be filled with wonder. But wonder isn't the same as faith. Mary, she was filled with reflection. Filled with reflection. So much had happened to her in such a short amount of time that she could hardly comprehend it all. She treasured it all up in her heart and she pondered what God was doing, what God was about in her life, what God was going to do with this baby that she had given birth to. She pondered these things and she reflected on them. And the shepherds, well, we know what they did. They ran back praising God. They were full of praise, active worship. I had to slip worship in here somewhere. You see, when God does something in our lives, we have to respond. And one of the most amazing ways to respond is through worship, through songs of praise, through a lifestyle of obedience. Respond with worship and praise. So something got your attention, there was a call to action, the call was obeyed, and lives were changed. For Elaine and I, wow, we, we got you. <laughs> our lives have been forever changed because we've been able to interact with you and love you and feel your love back to us as, as a result. Our lives will never be the same because of what God has done through you and through Rocky Peak in our lives and hopefully through our lives to you. Lives were changed. But what do we do now? We can look for those things. We can act with obedience. Lives will be changed. But what can I do today? What can I do now? First one is be aware of what God might want to be, what God might be doing each day in each situation. Be aware. Be aware. Remember, we're just living ordinary lives. Be aware of what God might might be wanting to do. And number two, be ready. Be aware and be ready. Max Lucado, I love this quote in his book, God Came Near. He says, The news of Jesus' birth came to those who had time to hear it. The news of Jesus' birth came to those who had time to hear it. Do you have time in your life to hear what God might be wanting to tell you? In your time alone with him, whether you're reading the word or you're praying, your drive to work, your carpool, Probably not. Are you hearing from the Lord? What might that look like? Here are some examples. You'd given up, but after months of waiting and hoping, the adoption agency calls and lets you know that your daughter has arrived. Out of the blue, you get that dream job offer that utilizes the gifts and talents that God has given you. You get a call that a favorite relative is very sick and you rush to the hospital and you have one last chance to to share Jesus with them. On your way to work one day, the person you carpool with opens up and tells you that their marriage is a mess and they need help. God puts it in your heart to write a book in spite of the fact that you think, why would anybody want to know about my life? Your house is a house on the block where all the kids hang out. And one day, one of those kids comes up to you and says, why is your house such a happy house? You walk through the grieving process of losing a loved one or perhaps an important relationship. You and your spouse decide to sell your home and become missionaries because you feel God is calling you to follow him in that way. Your friend has been inviting you to church for weeks and you finally decide to show up and you sit there and God starts to work on your heart. From the ordinary to the extraordinary. Well, let's wrap this up. The book of Luke, from beginning to end, is an amazing story of the ordinary to the extraordinary. It starts off with an ordinary birth in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. And the book of Luke concludes with an ordinary execution for the Romans on a hill outside of Jerusalem. But that's not the whole story. Because God had planned an extraordinary miracle that would have eternal impact on history when he turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God gave up the extraordinary of heaven to walk this earth, to die on a cross, so that you and I would be content to live ordinary lives? Do you really think that God would give up all that he had, send Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me so that we would be happy with the status quo? There is no way that God would do that. God is wanting to add his extra to your ordinary today. And you may be here for the first time, and you're sitting here going, what is this all about? It's a simple story, but an amazing story, how God came to earth so that he could add his extra to your ordinary and to my ordinary. John ten ten in the New Living Translation, Jesus said, My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. His purpose is to give you life, new life, in all its fullness. He wants you to live an extraordinary life for him. A few weeks ago, the pastors were away at a few days retreat down in Dana Point at a home there. And one night... Uh, Pastor Mike actually gave us some free time. So we were uh, just doing whatever we wanted to do and I decided to go on a walk around the neighborhood and I took my iPod and was listening and I had it on shuffle and it was just getting d- about dusk and the, and, the, and the stars were just starting to pop out of the sky and it just happened that the song I Stand Amazed came onto my iPod and the words of that song are I see the stars... That you have made, and I know you call them each by name. To think Father God, whom heaven displayed, is thinking of me in intimate ways. I stand amazed in all of your glory that you would die for me. I stand amazed. And I stand amazed in all of your glory, true love's sweetest story. I stand amazed. That's how much God loves you today. He left heaven so that he could add his extra to your ordinary, to my ordinary. Let's pray. God, we truly are amazed at who you are. God, we'll never understand why you would give up heaven for us. Lord, we will never understand why you cared to add your extra to our ordinary. But Lord, we know you have. And for that, we say thank you. Lord, let us never forget to be looking for you in every situation, every conversation, in every decision, in every event, Lord. What might you want to be doing in our lives? Lord, help us not to settle for the status quo. Help us not to settle for just living ordinary lives, Lord. Because you gave up way too much for us to do that to you. Lord, help us to see you. Help us to be ready. I see the star that you have. The display, display.